Hello, and welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, founder of Long Distance Love Bombs, trying to make kindness cool and compassion commonplace. My guest today is Alex Catoni. Alex Catoni is my homie. She is a friend. She's also a marketing genius. She's a copywriter, a marketing strategist. She is the founder of the Copy Posse, which is, quote, the raddest, baddest crew of copywriters on the internet. She has had 300,000 students worldwide. Uh, she used to be a creative director of Mind Valley. She left to start her own successful consulting and copywriting business. And the Copy Posse that she founded is, is like an online academy to help entrepreneurs and creatives and copywriters around the world to ignite their businesses and to have a fun and empathetic approach to branding. This conversation is great. Uh, we start slow, kind of ease into it. And then by the end, as you'll see, there are approximately four different endings to this conversation because we tried to stop talking and then just kept going multiple times. And so I encourage you to watch or listen all the way to the very end in this one, we dive into all kinds of stuff related to marketing, branding, storytelling. We talk about what's most relatable and what's most memorable. We dive deep into manipulation and the underlying intentions that you can use to discuss your messages, your products, your brands, your offerings. Alex talks about three different kinds of stories and why they're important. And then she runs through this really cool thing that I have not heard before, which is essentially five specific emotions that you can utilize to engineer commitment and persuasion. And I get that that might sound a little bit like a red flag, sounds a little sneaky, but we talk all about that and we have a great time. There are lots of random stories Alex at one point talks about something that she has never talked about publicly before, which is a very random, I was going to say hobby, but guilty pleasure perhaps might be more accurate. Anyway, if you're interested in telling your story, telling your brand story, copywriting, expressing ideas authentically and empathetically, and in a way that feels like it is in integrity, this is a great conversation. You're really going to enjoy this one. And I've included links to all of Alex's social media, YouTube offerings in the show notes. So do check those out. Subscribe, follow her. She's a good pal. Okay, without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Alex Catoni. I'm actually excited for this one. Also, Alex, because I have a good intro question to ask, and I often don't. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little scared. <laughs> I hope my good... answer is as good as your question. It's great. I'm like, oh, I feel like this is a good starter. But uh, awesome. before we dive in, how I always start is just like, hey, for those listening that have no idea who Alex Catoni is, what you're about, what you're passionate about. How do you describe yourself? Like, who are you? Oh, you know, just those questions I ask myself every night as I lay in bed. Who am I? <laughs> um, I, I mean, usually what I say is I am a 
uh, I'm the founder of the Copy Posse. I'm a copywriter and I, I help people sort of use words to make an impact and make more money. It was so succinct. Very succinct. simply. Yeah. 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 You didn't even go at all down a philosophical rabbit hole or a meandering <laughs> existential crisis. That was good. Okay. <laughs> Who am I? Are, Why am I here? <laughs> are you ready for my question? Yeah. Okay. So I feel like I should be wearing a tie right now and then I should like straighten it and be like, okay. So Alex Catoni, you've been described on your website as a marketing genius. And I read, <laughs> and I read that you want to quote, de-douchify the internet. Can you please explain what de-douchifying the internet means? Yes. That is the, the best question ever. Cause it is, it is my mission to, to de-douchify the internet. So I have to kind of tell you how this word came about because when I first started my business, I I, I was honestly just jaded by marketing. I mean, I had I'd been in the marketing world for over a decade behind the scenes. And I think this happens to a lot of people. It's like from the outside looking in, you're like, ooh, everyone's so smart. And, you know, I, I was, I was a, uh, a marketer in the personal development world too. So on top of learning marketing, as I was also learning from all of these incredible like gurus, air quotes. And I remember just thinking like, wow, this, this is the best business industry in the world. And then you get into it and you're just like, holy crap, there are so many douche nozzles and charlatans and people promising the moon and under delivering. And I remember just going through this like phase where I, I was so jaded, I could have just given it all up and gone back to working at the keg steakhouse, <laughs> which oh, cool. honestly, sidebar, that's where I learned my first lesson in sales, which is they used to say to us when we bring the steak to the table, they would say, Alex, remember, you're not selling the steak, you're selling the sizzle. And that was my first my first lesson in marketing. That's that's why I'm a marketing genius because I sell the sizzle. Anyway, yeah. going back to Dedushify is I knew that that's why I started my business, but I didn't come out guns blazing with that. And then one time I was on a call and someone asked me about like why I started my business, and it just fell out of my mouth. I was like, you know, I just want to dedushify the internet. And as soon as I said it, I was like, ooh. And then I didn't do anything with it because then I was af afraid of offending douchebags. <laughs> and I was like, maybe I shouldn't say this. And then I was like, F that. I totally wanted to douchify the internet. And that became, you know, the short, the short version of my entire mission at the Copy Bossy. And it's a good example of, I think, everything that you are with that business. It's about using words that have impact, that are memorable in an authentic way that's unique to your voice. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know I certainly have gotten a lot of shit over the years for using profanity. And then I've tried not to do that. And it's like, I can't. <laughs> it, it, it's like, it's not me. It's not you. No. And, and honestly, like going back to marketing and, and, and any communication, it's a saying what you want to say in as few words as possible. When I say dedouchify, which Okay, let's call that one word because there's a hyphen. The internet, three words. I mean, everybody knows what I mean when I say that. Everybody. Because everybody has been on the receiving end of shitty marketing. And so that to me is exactly what you said. It, it embodies not only 
my my mission, but it's so it's so me. It's so my brand. It's so being the rebel and and not being afraid to ruffle feathers and being bold and 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 claiming who who you are and what you want to say and and saying it. And so yeah, it's and I do I have ruffled feathers. I have people email me saying, "Why would I ever learn marketing from anybody who uses the word dedouchify? It's not even a word." And I'm like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> and it weeds people out though, right? And I think that's yeah. The good thing about polarizing language is for every email that you get on that end of the spectrum, that's like, you crazy witch lady, I will never pay you a dollar. There's someone else on the other end of the spectrum that's like, oh my God, I love you. I've never heard that word. You're Take my money, one Alex. Been, yeah. You're the one I've been waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. But it's tricky. Okay. So let's step back maybe. And when you alluded to the marketing industry being filled with I think you said douche nozzles, if I'm not mistaken yeah. there, uh, which is technical be- term. It's beautiful. Uh, and and in my experience, the personal development industry has its own share of charlatans, frauds, manipulators, less than ethical humans. But maybe we can mm-hmm. step back and talk about, you know, what is marketing in a simplistic way? Because I think for a lot of people, marketing is seen as an icky topic. It's bad. It's manipulative. Uh, And I know that you, well, I hope that you have a different take on that. It'd be awkward (laughs) if you're like, no, yeah. That's it. Nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm an evil genius. Um, So yeah, like what does marketing mean to you and how does it distinguish itself from manipulation or what's the relationship between those two? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. Obviously, I have a different different definition. You know, I and like just so everyone's listening, you know, I really see marketing and copywriting as being kind of one and the same. And and often people will ask me that because I'll use those words interchangeably. You know, copywriting is using words for the for the sake of of sales and marketing. And then marketing is just like kind of that higher level general term of of marketing, which is obviously um words and messaging, but it could also mean metrics and testing and and all the more technical side of marketing as well. But, you know, to me, marketing is is solving problems and helping the right people solve problems at it at at its simplest definition. And then copywriting is is using words in order to do that. And so when people ask me the difference between what I would call douchey marketing and or pushy marketing and persuasive marketing is one is very is very push. It's very like, I'm gonna tell you that this is the greatest deal you've ever seen in the world and use a million different exclamation marks and and use fake scarcity and fake testimonials and misleading clickbank and force continuity and fine print and all of that stuff that people look at and go, oh no, I hate marketing because I don't blame you. That's the same crap that I was also sick of, which is why I started my business. Um, And then persuasive marketing, which is more of a pull strategy. It's like, hey, I'm not going to force this down your throat. I'm going to show you how this can help you solve your problem. And if that feels good to you, like, welcome, (laughs) welcome, friends, you know? And I think uh, the market, market, as in the audience and people out there buying stuff, they've gotten so savvy 
to what is marketing that like those old school, really sort of sleazy used car salesman, icky tactics that used to work because they were, they worked because they were novel and enough people weren't, weren't aware of what was really happening. You know, it was like, oh, this person says I have to buy now or else I guess I better buy now, you know? And now people are like, wait a second. And you see this happening. uh, And it's not just it's it's in it's across all the industries. Like people are taking longer to buy because they are taking more time to weigh their options. They are taking more time to understand the brands behind the businesses. They don't blindly believe every single thing they see online. They're they're skeptical. And to me, that's the best. I love a good skeptic because it means you're probably making smarter buying decisions. And I like the, skeptics are my favorite because I'm probably one of the most skeptical, cynical people out there. Yeah, my background as a scientist requires a black belt in skepticism and just questioning everything, much to the annoyance of my partner occasionally. But it sounds like the distinction is between the intention underneath the marketing. So are you trying to take from the person? Are you trying to um, manipulate versus are you trying to offer, communicate who you are and what you've got to the best of your ability? Um, are you trying to show off what you've got? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And I think what's really cool and like what's what I consider sort of modern marketing now is that anyone out there can, can use like social media or other, uh, platforms to reach an audience. Whereas before marketing felt like, oh, it's this thing that only a few, people really you know know how to do and you picture these mad men era executives around a board table and it's like they have meetings just around like how can we manipulate people you know and and the interesting thing about the word manipulation is that it's it's be, it's gotten a really negative connotation of course but when you actually like translate the root of the uh, word it just means like like changing things by hand like man is is hand and then anyway I could look up the exact um, etymology of it. But in this word manipulate is like, yes, marketing can be seen as manipulation in a bad way. But if you look at it through the lens of marketing is delivering a message and letting the customer have the control about whether or not they want to receive that message, I think that's the, the, the pendulum swing that's happening is good marketing today is about actually putting control in to the customer's hands, letting them decide who, where, why, when they want to buy from someone. And that's actually really exciting to me because people are now able to learn from whoever they want, not just, oh, the big, huge brands that have the budgets and can buy the Super Bowl commercial ad spots. Now you have someone who, let's say, is like really passionate about gardening. We were talking about gardening before we pushed record. That person who like lives and breathes gardening can now start a business where they're helping someone who really wants to learn gardening. And so what's happening is the power used to be in like the select few who had the budgets and the tools and the access to be great marketers. And now everybody has access to these tools. And it means that the people who who have great messages and are able to really serve people in that way are learning how to do that. And the people over here are getting kind of freaked out about it. I mean, you see a lot of the old school types of brands going, oh my God, we can't compete with these influencers who now have, you know, millions of followers because 
they have more reach than we do now as people move online and on onto social networks. And so I think there's like a, a real distribution of, of a decentralization of marketing power happening, which is exciting. Yeah, it's like the the trade-off, right? Whereby now everybody is a marketer or can be an influencer, whether that's, you know, 10 followers or a million followers, you have influence. If people are following your work and your life and your friends or family with them, like you're you're an influencer. And I love this idea that manipulation can be not just a negative but a positive, right? If if you are manipulating someone um in a in a positive manner that's like encouragement right or hey great job feedback is a form of manipulation in some regard i'm proud of you the form of manipulation one would argue um and <laughs> yeah. so then how does one um i was i was thinking of myself and and the marketing nowadays it seems as if there's a lot of personal brands there's a lot of individuals offering things for sale but I look at it almost like all of my content is wrapped up under this larger marketing umbrella, whereby I'm not always asking, I'm not always selling. Whereas like you watch a commercial on TV and it's like the commercial is asking you to buy some shit all the time. Like every commercial is like, hey, buy this thing. Here's a product. Razzle dazzle. Look at this shiny thing. Give me your money. Whereas it seems <laughs> like there's this sort of... Um, new approach because of social media, whereby you build a relationship or you establish a community mm -hmm. or some connection that's ongoing and you give and give and give, and then you offer something as an exchange. Do you have anything to say on, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and again, it, it's it's a bit of that shift where, you know, I come from when I first learned marketing and copywriting, it, it came, we, I came from like the direct response marketing world, which anyone who doesn't know what direct response is, is literally you send traffic, you know, aka eyeballs, whatever, advertising, awareness, attention to an ad of some sort. And then you're directly measuring the impact of that ad, like how many people out of 100 bought who saw it kind of thing. And it's all about optimizing for that, that conversion metric. It was all like, how many, you know, how many eyeballs saw this ad and then how many people bought and then how do we make it better? And so it was it was all about like manipulating, you know, the ad, the the copy, the messaging to get people to buy right away. And now what I think again is happening is like marketing is is like you're saying it's 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 no longer just about that. It's about building a relationship with an audience who then trusts you enough to then want to give you their money. And what you're seeing is people are taking a lot longer to buy. It used to be that if someone didn't buy within like, let's say seven days of seeing a Facebook ad, the old school thought was literally buy, die, or unsubscribe. Like they're either going to buy, they're going to die, or they're going to unsubscribe from my list. And then they're, they're basically like, they're gone. They're out of my world. So it was all about how can we get as much money out of people as quickly as possible? And what, what you're seeing now is people are just taking longer to buy. So when I look at my metrics, the vast majority of people in my business purchase after 30 days, 60 days, like even 90 days. I have people who have been part of my community for over a year, two years, and and until they made their first purchase. And I think the importance of that is, is just understanding buying behavior where people don't only want to know who what you do or what you offer, but they want to know who you are. And so when I think of what you're talking about, it's, hey, this is who I am. 
like I'm I'm Jer. I have this business. I have this podcast. I have this book. And people want to get to know who you are. And so then when it is time for you to offer something, you can say, hey, I also have this really cool thing over here and you can go buy now. And those two ideas working together to me is what makes really good marketing. So the way I kind of talk about it is a mix of, of direct response marketing, because don't get me wrong, you still want to be able to get people to take action. You don't, you don't want to be someone who's like, it's okay. You never have to buy. Like you want to give people a reason to buy. Of course, like we we're in the business of making money as business owners. We have to pay bills. We, that's our job. But this mix of direct response marketing with brand storytelling and relationship building to me is where, where modern marketing is going, which is why you see so much like user generated content now, or people like big brands who have never really used social media going to influencers or people who have audiences to say, Hey, can you help, you know, showcase this product, use this product. But it's no longer about just being like, go buy now. It's integrating it into their daily lives, into their makeup routines, into like the smoothies they make. It's all about like what, like what is real and if it really is real, but how can, how can, we make marketing a conversation that's ongoing rather than just like this singular event that happens. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to summarize what I was attempting to ask before. Like it's no longer just a one and done kind of approach. It's more like a courtship or an ongoing relationship really. And for me, like, I don't want to spend money with assholes or douche nozzles to use your language. Like I want to invest in people that are good humans, that have good hearts, Mm -hmm. that are also doing good in the world that I can learn from. And if that means I need to take a week or a month longer to actually tease out the energy of this human, then I'm going to do that. And I think that's what you're describing here. And I think that's one reason why your business is so successful is because like, just full transparency, Alex and I are, are homies, like we're friends, but like, you're a good human. Like, you're great at what you do. You're a marketing genius, of course, but also like, you're a good human, you care, you have integrity, you want people to succeed. Um, And you can't necessarily fake that over the long term. But whereas in the short term, previously you could. But nowadays with Mm -hmm. social media and everything, you get found out quick and your reputation can disappear immediately. Um, So any advice for those listening in terms of like, how do you build a relationship with an audience over time using copywriting, marketing, words that work. Like how I, yeah. I know we were I have a note that we're supposed to talk about storytelling. I don't know if like this is the yeah. time, but like is that this is a good time to talk about storytelling. Okay. Yeah. Good cue. Thank you. <laughs> right. I mean honestly, um, I, as I said, you could talk about whatever the hell you want today. It's yeah. all good. Uh no, but but right. storytelling a thousand percent, you know, there is, we are all obsessed with storytelling. I mean, look at the shows we watch, the podcasts we listen to. I know for me, like, like stories run my entire life. If all I could do is tell and talk about stories and listen to other people's stories, like that's, I find that genuinely super interesting. And I know I'm not the only one. I mean, there's been tons of studies that prove that like, you know, people remember stories 22 times more likely than they remember facts. Or um, there was a case study that I like to reference. It was done by, um, God, I want to say there was like a, uh, an organization called Save, Save the Children, which had brochures and stuff to get people to donate to, you know, children in need. 
And they did this this test on sending out a brochure. One had all this fact-based information about the, you know, the number of people that the, that you would be supporting if you donated to this cause and how many kids were impacted and like very fact-based information versus another one that they that they tested, which was literally just the story of one girl, a seven-year-old girl who was battling, you know, starvation and the story of how her life was saved. One girl, that's it. And it was these two different brochures. And I'm a storytelling geek and like you, I love, I love research. And so for me to kind of know, it's not just that we like to sit around a campfire and tell ghost stories, even though we all probably remember our favorite ghost story from when we were a kid, stories are memorable to people and they bring the your reader's guard down in a way again not to sound like ha 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 I'm an evil genius I'm going to bring your guard down and when you're least expecting it I'm going to slide in and sell you something but um there's a term called narrative transport port that's used in in writing and screenwriting where it you get you get lost in story so if I send you an email about something maybe that I'm trying to sell right and I say hey Jer guess what special offer for the next three days, I'm going to give you the, like immediately you're like, no, nope, don't have time for this. Uh, but if I email you and say, hey, Jer, oh, my gosh, you'll never guess what happened to me the other day. I was walking down the street and like, I don't know where I'm going with this story, but immediately you're like, what happened? Right. And so storytelling to me is one of the best ways to communicate in marketing. And one of the one of the reasons for that, aside from the fact that we know it's memorable and and it and it you know brings people's guard down and it and it kind of cuts through any skepticism um, because it's real is that it's what makes you different than anybody else. Your stories are, are you. And so if you've ever, like if you're listening to this and you've thought maybe you've had a business idea or you want to post content on your social media and you're immediately like, well, I can't talk about that because like a million other people talk about that. And who am I to talk about that? Because it's been done before. And I, I can tell you, if you think that every single person on earth thinks that, but what people can't take from you is a story that has, you know, happened to you in your life or a, a takeaway or a lesson through your lens. And so, you know, the three the three types of stories I like to talk about in marketing are there's the stories you tell about your your brand if you're a business owner. And those would be like my brand story is that I, I I said it earlier on this podcast. I was in the marketing world for a long time. I got jaded. I, I, you know, hated all the marketing I was hearing or seeing online. I decided to do something about it, blah, blah, blah. That's that's my brand story. It all of a sudden makes people go, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, right? So I can tell stories about why my business exists. I can tell stories about how I came to be here today. I can tell stories about what my values are as a business or the things that really ruffle my feathers or what I'm fighting against in the industry. And those are all really relatable stories from that brand side. I can also tell stories about uh, my customers or my... Or you, like if you're listen, if you're on my email list, I might tell a story about uh, about one of my customers who experienced doubt or uncertainty or fear or something that they were going through to then make you feel like, oh, okay, yeah, this person feels that way too. I just did that when I said, if you've ever felt like you can't post something because it's been done before, you have a business idea and you don't think it's relevant because someone else is posting about it. That's me telling a, a story about you that's relevant to you. And then there's what I call content stories, which are really just anecdotal. You'll never guess what happened. Life stories that just become good content that connect you, the customer, and me, the brand, together in a way that makes sense. 
And so it's, I think about that all the time. It's like, am I telling a story about me? Am I telling a story about you? Or am I telling a uh, sort of a, a random content story that has a point? I mean, we're not, we could talk about random stories all day, but the story that you're telling that, you know, has a point and somehow does the job of connecting me to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. And then like what, I mean, this is a separate podcast entirely. I was going to ask you what makes a good story or what makes a good, but perhaps like what makes a good storyteller is maybe more relevant to those listening of when we talk about that you're your own brand, that you've, your marketing is part of storytelling. You have to do it in your own authentic way that aligns with your purpose and your mission. Like, how do you um, teach people to stay aligned with that when there are so many different ways to approach all of this stuff? And there's lots of different schemes and tips and tricks. Like, what's the Alex Catoni version of getting the voice and the mission and the the thing all in one congruent place. Yeah, I think, and this isn't this isn't obviously like the most strategic answer, but becoming a good storyteller takes practice, just like anything else. And so, what I do and what my process is, is I've actually started literally thinking in terms of, oh, that would make a good story. Like you and I might be having a conversation one day, and I'd be like. I don't know how this is relevant at all to my audience and maybe it isn't, but that's an that's an interesting anecdote or that's an interesting thought. Like I remember one time I was in uh I was in France and I was at this champagne house and and the guy said something along the lines of what's kind of crazy about these vines is that you know they were planted by the current owner's grandparents and they planted them knowing that they would never taste the wine that they were planting. And it was like, I just remember thinking like, that's such an interesting idea. Like this idea of like leaving a legacy and knowing that you can plant a vine that you'll never drink wine from. And I remember writing it in like, I have a note in my phone. And like, so stories to me start as just these little like lightning bolts of inspiration that strike a chord in my heart. And I have no, I, I at that point, I'm not like, Ooh, yeah, this is good marketing. It's just a, it's just a, an interesting idea. And I think you're so good at this too, Jared. Like you just sort of hear something and you ponder it for a bit and you're like, I don't know, is that something? So I have what I call a story inventory that just has like literally it's like it's like a list of just all these random random things. And then oftentimes when I need to start thinking from a marketing perspective about about a concept or a mart or a teaching point. Cause here's the thing about storytelling. Like we could sit around a campfire and I could tell you what makes a good story is, is one thing, but what makes a good story in marketing? I mean, it needs to have a, a point, you know, one might say a good story has a beginning, a middle and an end and, you know, needs to make a point. And so I'll go and I go, Oh, I really want to tell a story here that builds trust. Or I want to tell a story here that makes my audience feel understood and to me, that's when I go, oh, where can I pull from this story inventory and bring a little nugget of an idea forward that helps me prove my point? Does it fit? Does it not? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But the way I use storytelling and marketing is a very organic process. And anyone who says, you know, give me a, a formula for storytelling, you know, yes, there's there's a ton of different ones that are used in screenwriting and, and all of that. But at the end of the day, it comes back to it being an organic I think in beautiful process to being able to make a point and do it in a, in a way that pulls attention forward. Yeah. I feel like that didn't really answer your question, yeah, but 
You're good. We've got time. I have more questions. Uh, I was thinking, okay. is it McPhee, the famous screenwriter? Is it Robert McPhee or like taught for decades? Like all the main Hollywood players go to his lectures and it's like, here's how the first act you introduce the characters, then you have a conflict and da, yeah. da, 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 da. right. The um, three part structure. Yeah. Whereas uh, I do something similar and I was kind of smiling as you were describing that. Um, like I'll be driving down the road and see a billboard that has just like a killer line. I'm like, oh, that's a good line. Or I'll be watching a movie. Like, oh, that's a good line. And it's just like sticks or I put it in the notes in my phone or I've heard other people describe an email draft that you just save ideas as the parking lot or Buddy Wakefield says, where, oh, is, like it, where is it pack heat? You just like set to the side for later. And then you've yeah. got your little bag of potential starting points, right? Rather than beginning from scratch. And it's like, okay, I need a yes. story about da, 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 da. And you go through it. You're like, oh, that one will work. And I think part of yeah. the fun, at least as a creator is, okay, I've got a story about this vineyard in France and I need to sell this online program about <laughs> turkeys. Like, how do I make that work? Right. And I think that is part yeah. of the mad scientist or genius that you, that you have is like, that's a skill, right? Well, because um, you can always tell, I call it like the cringy pivot when you're reading an email and you're like, where is this going? And then it's usually a line that's like, that reminds me or like speaking of it, you're like, what? No, that actually, that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, and, and, it, and it does. Yeah, the cringy pivot. It does. It totally, it takes, it takes practice. But the beautiful thing is going to our point earlier is that my advice would be in the beginning, like, let's just say you're like, you know what? I really do want to start connecting with people more by telling more stories. Um, Cause I used to really struggle with it because it would be, it'd be like someone putting you on the spot and be like, Jared, tell me a joke. And immediately, even if you're the funniest person on the planet, you're like, uh, knock, knock. And you literally can't think of one. Like you're like, I, what, I don't even have a joke. This is ridiculous. You probably do. Cause you're pretty funny, but <laughs> I, I told like one on that a previous podcast. It, it was like a horrible joke, but uh I'm rem reminiscing about that, but I get your point. Were you super funny? Like, no, it was. Do you, do you want to hear the joke? Okay. Well, so, I mean, you opened a massive loop there, but so yeah. Yeah, I mean, cringy, cringy pivot. I also was going to offer you. Sounds like a rock band that played Coachella well, last year. <laughs> like, oh, uh, but so I was on the bridge in Spain, and I was leading this walk that I do on the Camino. Mm -hmm. And we we're looking down over the bridge and there was all these fish swimming underneath the bridge. And I turned to the woman next to me and I said, do you know what you call a fish with no eyes? And then she did not know. And I said, Fish. I got it. <laughs> I mean, so that's a word joke. So that kind of aligns, but I really like that, it. Yeah. Now we're entirely off track. I have a question though. When you talk yeah. about mar marketing and Hopefully that wasn't a cringy pivot. Uh, what's the opposite? Like a smooth transition? Is that the opposite of a cringy pivot? Yeah. Or like you don't even know it's like, yeah, smooth transition. I like that. Let's call it that. Where you don't even know that you're pivoting. You know, you're just like, wait, I, all of a sudden you're just buying and you're like, what happened? Yeah. How did that? I was reading about a vineyard in France and now I have my credit card in my hand. What just happened? <laughs> Uh, I think I blacked out. Yeah. I I <laughs> if anyone can do that, they should, they, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, okay. So when you talk about marketing and the question overall is about pain points of, Hey, you're trying to connect 
with the reader or the listener or the watcher, right? The potential client, you're trying to connect with them in a real way. And you're saying, hey, um, I used to not have confidence, not love my body, uh, be a terrible salesperson or whatever. And you're selling the medicine for that thing you've discovered in yourself. How, how do you do that without feeling like you are that taker energy that's like, that I see so often in the personal development space, yeah. especially. And it's like, oh, you're just, you have this person in the palm of their hand and you know how they work and you're pushing all the buttons and like, I don't love that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love it either. And what's, 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 is interesting the right word? You know, when you're reading something, it's like, it's also cringy when you, when you're like, let's say reading something and you know that someone's pushing all the buttons because they took a program to push all the buttons. And, and you're like, I can see this like happening and good marketing. There is no awareness around like they're pushing buttons. It's because like, that's clunky, you know, that's like, okay, great. So I get like, I get this all the time where I'll get like cold outreach emails from people. And I literally, it's like, they're all using the same script, you know, I'm like, who's teaching this? Like, you can just see it like right in front of you. This like, someone is teaching people how to do this. And so um, the one sentence you know, me, hook at the start, and then the like brief ask in the middle. And it's like, yeah, or I've even gotten like, hello, Alex, I see that you graduated from insert, insert uh post-secondary institution here <laughs> and I was like god ridiculous um yeah so I like to talk about something called the emotional buyer's journey because a lot of people when you when you learn marketing they'll talk to you about like the funnel and it's like don't get me wrong like sales funnels are important and and it's all the mechanics of of marketing and all that and it's it is really important but um nobody everyone talks about like what you have to do or like what buttons you have to push but but it's all from the perspective of the marketer, the one doing the selling. And so I like to flip that on its head and think, what is the actual emotional journey that a customer has to go through in order to ultimately say yes to buy from you? Um, and then how do you do that in a way which is is not fear-mongering? Because unfortunately, you're right, you still see that everywhere. And and you know, humans are hardwired like to do two things: either avoid, you know, pain or go after pleasure. And 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 it's been proven that people will do more to avoid pain than to than to gain pleasure. And so when you start applying that to the marketing world, it's like, oh, well, I could use aspirational marketing and only talk about the good, but that's not going to be as powerful as talking about the bad. And so like at a base level, that is absolutely true. But there is a way to speak to someone in a, in a way that doesn't put salt in the wound or make them feel worse about themselves in the process. And that's kind of what I like to think about in terms of using pain in in marketing is I like to actually like some people will say like use pain. I like to say use empathy and hope because empathy is reflecting back at your customer what they're experiencing and then providing a way a solution that provides hope, which is a, a positive emotion. So how can you take this like potentially negative thing, but really actually make them feel understood and empowered on the uh, journey? And so when I talk about the emotional buyer's journey, the first primary emotion that an audience or your customer needs to feel to buy from you is understood, like first and foremost. So it's that message of, I get you. And there's a really big difference. And the way you even said it, was actually very much 
how I would say it, which is, hey, I, you know, I used to experience imposter syndrome or I lacked confidence or I, you know, did X, Y, Z or had this problem. And so I, I get you. All That has a very different energy than do you hate yourself, you know, when you look in the mirror, like that kind of stuff where you're just like, oh, like you see that and you're, you're just like, no. And, and it pisses me off because guess what? It's, it still works. And I know that, that, that there are a lot of people out there that respond to that and it, and I hate it so much. Um, but under making your audience feel understood and there's a way to do it that is leading with empathy and, and the messages I get you without putting salt in the wound and all of your people, Jared, and everyone listening to this, I like, Everyone can feel the difference. Everyone knows they're all, you know, very emotionally intelligent. And to me, when you read marketing, where you're like, who, yeah, finally someone who really understands like what I'm going through. And it doesn't have to be this like deep, dark thing. Like it could be like, hey, do you hate when your cat goes into the litter box and then <laughs> they scatter kitty litter all over the floor? And it's like, oh my God, yeah, I hate that. You know, it doesn't have to be this like deep, dark thing. It's like just making your audience feel understood. Once you make them feel, so there's five core emotions. Once you make your audience feel understood, the next emotion you want them to feel is safe. So it goes from I get you to I got you. So it's this person understands what I'm going through. Then it's I feel like this person under, understands and can actually help me and I feel safe in, in, this, um, in this conversation. And okay, I got you. So there's trust there. So building trust aside from garnering attention is probably the most powerful skill that anyone could ever master in marketing and sales and anything like that. Um, in any relationships, let's be honest, trust is hugely important. Uh, then the next emotion you want your audience to feel is empowered. So that's the, you got this, right? So I get you, I got, I got you. And then you got this, meaning I'm not like your, your magic button, like going to save you from all of your problems. Like I want you to feel empowered to take action to, to do this for yourself and and to um, make a change. And the best way to do that is through, you know, showcasing case studies or testimonials or, hey, look at these other people who are on this journey and have experienced results. You know, that increases believability. It, it's, it's showing that it is possible for other people and you can do it too. Then the next emotion is excited. Sorry, just to, before we get excited, uh, it's yeah. part of the... <laughs> Is part of the process that you just described of empowering the person, could you simply say like, hey, uh, I'm not going to manipulate you into buying this thing or like, I'm not your guru or this isn't the one size fix all approach. And you kind of like name the obstacle that might be preventing them from doing that. 100%. I have to take my sweater off, by the way, because it's getting freaking hot in here. I'm getting fired yeah. up. I'm getting fired off on this conversation. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, um, yeah. So you'll see that all the time in my marketing. And people will even say this to me. Like, I just love that you that you said that. Like, people will message me and say, What like will your will will your uh pro program help me get my first client? And I'll say, Listen, like, I'll give you everything I have on how to do that, but like I can't tell you that because that's up, absolutely up to you to take action and, and actually implement. And unfortunately, most people don't do anything with this information, which really sucks. But if you're committed to taking action, then, you know, like to me, and I'll often say like, I'm not going to try to convince you because if I convince you and then you buy and you don't get results, guess who you're going to come after? No, like I'm all for taking radical self-responsibility 
And I use that messaging, which does it turn away some people? Probably do I lose some sales as a result because I'm not promising, you know, that this is an easy button to make money? Probably. But what happens is I'm building trust and believability in the process because I'm not trying to pull the wool over their eyes, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really important point to double down on, which is like the process of describing the product is part of the trust building exercise. It doesn't start like once they're in the door and the thing is underway. It's like, no, no, the moment one, like you're doing that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then, yeah. So then excited. And this is where most people start with their marketing. They don't do all the foundational stuff. And so they, that's where they like, you get a lot of the hype, like the, this is the best offer in the world. And you're just like, wait, what? Like, and they wonder why their marketing doesn't work. Like, they'll be like, they'll be like, I discounted this 99.9% and people still aren't buying. And they wonder why it's because you didn't do any of the foundational stuff. You're just expecting someone who doesn't feel understood, safe, or empowered to take action to buy your offer. And doesn't matter how much you discount it. It's not going to work. And that, you know, to me is, is the, the, the showcasing possibility. So for someone to get excited, you want to really demonstrate what the after could look like for them. You know, what, what's possible in their lives or, you know, again, I don't want to make it sound like we're only selling like these super life-changing, you know, programs and things like that, but I come from a personal development background and I know you're very, so it could be like, imagine you get home from work and you're tiled kitchen floor has no kitty litter on it. There's no kitty it's litter immaculate. to be seen. Yeah. Is, you, you could eat off of it. It's so clean. You can walk barefoot and not have any, that feeling of that crazy uh, little crispy thing sticking to the bottom of your feet. You yeah. <laughs> There's got to be like at least one person listening to this that works for a kitty litter company that's just rapidly <laughs> writing down notes right now. Like, oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we should just start a kitty litter uh, or a kitty <laughs> box company. You know, let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. Do, I mean, I don't have a cat, neither do you, right? No, so. no. no. So we, I, we're not so, the best at that. But. Yeah. And like, but even that is like a really good example of, of like, hey, maybe we shouldn't sell kitty litter products because we don't have any experience. We can't build trust. <laughs> I don't got anybody when it comes to this, right? Versus the other stuff that we do sell. I know that both of us are like, yo, I'm selling this thing. Like, here's the price. And like, I'm fire at this. Like, I got you. Like, mm-hmm. it comes to this niche. Like, oh, I fucking got you. Like, game on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, that's why we're not selling kitty litter. Like, I don't know anything about that's kitty why. litter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, See, I so- could go, I could go like ask, I could ask for friends for a cat. I could pose for like fake selfies with cats. But like at the end of the day. <laughs> And like you have oh, a tool, like you could sell the shit out of a kitty litter thing too. Like with your skills at, you could have, you could be the kitty litter <laughs> queen, like no doubt. I could, I could be the ki- the queen of kitty litter. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, that maybe in another life, <laughs> another yeah. life when I'm a cat lady. <laughs> but like, um, you would never do that because you have integrity and honesty, you know, yeah. anyway. Okay. So right. after we get, uh, what is it? Safe, understood empowered understood excited. Safe, empowered excited yeah and then there's one more the... emotion yeah so everyone's you... like what's the fifth emotion alex <laughs> um it's committed and that's like again that's like the oh okay this is where people are like now i'm actually ready to give you my money 
And that might take, as I mentioned earlier, days, weeks, months, years. For me, the length of time it takes for someone to buy for me, like, it's to me, it's irrelevant because I want someone to buy exactly when they feel ready to and committed to buy for me. Because when, when not forced into a decision, they will not only buy from you once, but they will buy from you again and again and again and again. Because you have given them control of the buying experience rather than taking control of the buying experience. And so, you know, I make 80% of my revenue from existing customers. And that's because my existing customers, once they're in, they're like posse for life, you know, and and I love that. And so whether it takes them a few days or a year to get to that point it is totally fine. And, and that leads back to when I was talking about, you know, storytelling and content creation. To me, the best marketing strategy is, is just making your marketing valuable in and of itself. So even if I'm sending an email or, or writing a social post that where I'm selling something, I still want people to read that and get some sort of value out of it, whether it's like a little chuckle or like, oh, I didn't know that, you know, stat or piece of information so that they look at it and they're not just thinking, oh my God. And don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean I I don't sometimes send just like, hey, last day to join this program before we go live tomorrow or whatever. It doesn't mean I don't ever do that. But the number of times I do that compared to the other times, which is me really thinking about how can I make sure that even reading this email or this social post is going to add something to this person's experience with my brand, because that's just one touch point in what might be hundreds of touch points before they decide to ever buy anything from me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I simplify it as like, I want them to learn, laugh, or feel ideally all three, like when in an Instagram posts, for example, or an email, it's like they can learn something that. if they can laugh. You know, so like occasionally, I don't know if those listening have like seen my Instagram posts and then randomly in the middle, I'm like, I make a joke or I like, I don't know, have some fun. It's because of that. I'm like, oh, this is a little bit dry. This is a little heavy. I should like lighten the load and release the pressure from this traumatic story I'm telling. Um, But that's so you too. Like having had so many in-person conversations with you, that's like, that is, that is who you are. And I think that's, again, what, what makes, what makes marketing so great is 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 just showing up as you are uh without without trying to fit into any sort of mold because people can feel that like we can we can all think of times where we see something on online or on and we can't really explain it but like we're like oh that feels out of that uh, that doesn't feel that feels weird i'm gonna unfollow that person or whatever you know yeah so when you work with people that are feeling insecure or a lack of confidence and you're telling them, oh, just use your voice and be yourself and share your story. How do you help them understand that that's actually the secret sauce or to start making progress in that direction? Yeah, I mean, it, it, that comes up so, so much. And I think the best thing I can share is that is that everybody feels that way, I think. I mean, it's like a whole, like you think about how social media has just completely changed how how aware we all are of of the way we're perceived online and and like what people are going to think and and you know i spent so much time waffling over you know i i had this idea of starting a youtube channel and i thought about it for so long like so long because i was this kind of perfectionist who wanted to do it right and i wanted to know the exact strategy to follow to guarantee my success and and the first the first 
couple months of videos, I watch them now. I'm like, God, it was so awkward because I was trying so hard to be someone I wasn't, you know? Yeah, like exactly. I feel scripted. I feel, I, I, I don't even recognize myself. Does anyone else notice that? No, not really. And I think that's the thing is realizing that like nobody's looking at you that hard. You know, I think we have this, this, this fear that like, we're going to put something out there and then everyone is going to be like, snicker, snicker, snicker. I knew it. See, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. They're a total fraud. They're, you know, all of the things that we tell ourselves in our heads. And, you know, in the beginning, I think like it does take some time to get more comfortable with sharing. And the only way to do it is to move through it. There's never going to be a moment where you're like, this is going to, this is going to feel super easy. Even now I still sometimes have those moments where I'm about to push publish on something. And I'm like, this makes me feel uncomfortable, but I'm like, eh, no, yeah, I'm so I, like, I, I want to share this. Like years ago, I realized that I need to flip that narrative entirely. And so now like I pursue those moments that you just described. Like if I've gone too long on Instagram, for example, where I don't feel scared to post something, then I know that I'm just marinating in my comfort zone and I'm not totally. expanding or growing. It doesn't make it any easier, but it makes it a little bit more fun. When I'm like, oh, I got to up level now. Like this sucks. Totally. <laughs> don't love and that. And to hear someone like you say that you still get uncomfortable to post stuff. I think that's so relatable. It's like, yes, it, it, it's not like you all of a sudden one day are just like, I'm going to... I'm always just going to feel great, you know, putting myself out there in that way. You kind of get, you kind of train yourself to, to sit on that edge of that comfort zone. And I bet you, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Every time you post something that makes you feel slightly uncomfortable, you get way more positive feedback than any of your safe stuff. Yeah. It's just, it's more real, right? And people can feel when you are at the edge of your comfort zone at the edge of your capability like there is something so relatable about being scared and doing it anyway that i think people are really drawn to like moths to a flame like you you can't fake that kind of vulnerable i mean you can fake vulnerability because we're creators and writers and you're a marketer like you absolutely can but and you see it though like you see the fake vulnerable shit online masquerading as marketing it's like that's not actually yeah. scary for you. You're just using all the yeah. words. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I was talking to, I, it's like a funny, I don't know if this is relevant to anyone listening, but I was talking to my, one of my friends yesterday and it was about like someone, someone in my community had said, you know, I like, I've just, I've been doing this thing for a while. And like, I feel like I'm just back at, just back at square one, like, you know, just, uh, just back. At, I feel like a beginner all over again. And as she was talking in my head, I'm thinking, I feel like a beginner every damn day. You know, I'm like, does she not know that? And then I was talking with my friend who was also on this call with me. And I said, you know, it's like, and he actually used the analogy of like Mario Brothers, where he's like, you know, there's levels and you start to play Mario Brothers. So imagine it's like you're, you're, you want to start a business or you want to start creating content online and you're like staring at your Instagram account and you're like, I need to start creating content. And you're comparing yourself to like, who who knows, maybe Jerry, you're comparing yourself to someone who's already on like level 10 of this like Super Mario game that we're on. Uh, and so you, you're you scared. You're scared to put yourself out there. But then you start the first level 
And it's a little bit awkward at first because like you don't know when the fireballs are coming and you don't know when you're supposed to jump to like get the mushroom. And like you kind of have to figure it out. And it's awkward at first. You die right away and you're like, oh, God, you know, right back. It's like, let's, let's start, whatever. But then you get through the first level usually pretty quickly. And and then you, you, you killed the Bowser at the end of the first level. And you're like, oh, my God. And then it unlocks the new level. And you just were on the top of your game feeling like you were like the champion of the earth. And then you're on level two and you feel like a total beginner again. And guess what? There's like new fireballs. And now there's like these like spinny things with like spikes on them <laughs> that can like, you know, kill you. And then you're like, what the hell? And you might die a couple of times. And then you get to the end of that level. And then there's a new Bowser to kill. Um, and I thought that that was such a good analogy because, you know, every time you get to a new level, you feel like you're a beginner again. And so I have that same kind of thought pattern in my business is like, if I'm not feeling like a beginner again, I'm not. I'm not pushing myself enough or I'm not having uncomfortable conversations or I'm not doing the things that I know I need to do to grow. But that doesn't mean you're back at square one either when you feel like a beginner. It just means you're starting a new level. Yeah, you're back at square one of a new level. It's like the feeling's the level. same, but the context is totally different. And like yeah. when you play that level again and again and again, and you know where all the bad guys are and you know where all the secrets are and you're so good at it, after a while, it's boring and it's not very fun. Like we deep down want to be challenged and we want to feel alive. And unfortunately, starting again, feeling humbled, feeling overwhelmed or like the imposter is a quick way to feel very alive. And when you're describing that video game, I pictured like a shooter game where you like, get the bigger gun and maybe the bigger like armor and you're like carrying this huge weapon. You're like, yeah, I'm a badass. And then you like go to the new level and it's like, oh, there's like a fucking Tyrannosaurus or something that like your gun doesn't work on. You're like, oh, yeah, I need, I need to up level and upgrade and learn some stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's it. Like on that point, just again, going back to like the confidence thing and then, and then we'll wrap up that conversation. It's like when when you're just starting level one of whatever that new thing is, like, let's just say it's starting to put yourself out there online. The scariest thing about that is you have no idea who else is at level one because you don't, you don't know them yet. So it's like, you're comparing yourself to, to the people who are already further along than you. And like, how cool of a gift could it be to be able to look at someone who let's say you admire online and love their marketing and be able to like rewind to when they were first starting level one, because guaranteed they were just as like, yeah. you know, they were having the exact same thoughts that you were. And so the best thing you can do is just be like, you know what, I'm going to get through this first level, even if it's messy or awkward. And maybe this content or this storytelling isn't the best, or maybe I like it. it that's okay. Like, just go for it, you know, get through yeah. level one. The example I use with that is look back at Joe Rogan's first podcast episodes because the videos are out there and they are horrible. It's just him fucking around with a bunch of his buddies in his like living room. And now he has, yeah. you know, the biggest podcast ever. Um, and that's just how it is. You have to just get in the arena. But on that point of levels, I often will talk about people uh, who say they're at level one and they're comparing themselves to those at level three or five or 10. And they're like, I can't create that course. I can't sell that coaching program. I can't make kitty litter royalty boxes or whatever. And not realizing that there's a, it's like a pyramid. So there's a whole lot more people at level zero than there are at level 10. 
And if you can get yourself to level one with any amount of knowledge or skills or abilities, you can get paid to get people from zero to one. Like that is a career, right? Like I'm sure in your industry, there are lots of folks that are like copywriting 101, like for copywriting for noobs that are like, here's how to spell, right? Like that's an industry and like, we need that. And then it builds from there, but it doesn't make it any less comfortable in my experience to begin. Well, no. And and the best thing about that though, too, is it's, it's sharing it from this perspective of, Hey, I'm, I'm only two steps ahead of you, or I'm only one step ahead of you. So I'm going to just share with you. And I talk about this in marketing, this idea of perspective. Everyone on the internet thinks that in order to start building an audience or having any sort of authority, they need to be the quote unquote expert. And that word has been thrown around so much. And then it also, I think, stops people from moving forward because people who are maybe skeptics or or cynics are like, I am not an expert. I'm not going to be that person who pretends to know that when I don't. And like, I love those people because it's like, yeah, like, great. Thank you for not trying to be an expert at something when you're not. But there's other lenses through which you can relate to people. And so one of my favorite ways to kind of gauge this is to look at your favorite podcast. So like, I'm a big true crime, true crime fan. Uh, And I listen to a whole plethora of true crime podcasts. I listen to ones that are like from the investigator's point of view where they break down the forensics and they do like analysis. It's all very scientific. And you're like, that's interesting. And then I listen to ones that are more like investigative reporters where they're like on the ground doing interviews and they're gathering information that way. And then I listen to some that are literally just like two best friends who like love true crime and they're sitting there just like jibber jabbering about true crime. And like, I relate to them in, in another way because it's funny and, and like they make mistakes and they say things wrong and then they get corrected and then they have to do corrections corner. And I think it's hilarious. And anyone who knows true crime will know exactly which podcast I'm talking about. And then there's like all these other ones that I listen to. And that actually is what got me on this idea of teaching this is that that there are different perspectives to build authority in, in any sort of messaging. And the ex, like the expert as in like, I'm a uh, homicide detective who has 30 years of experience in the field, and this is my podcast, is a very different energy than, oh my God, I'm such a big fan of true crime. I know I'm a little bit weird. Like, how about you? Like, let's talk about this murder. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. Like you like a friendly sort of peer perspective is what I call it, versus the um, the detective, which I, I think is one of my favorite sort of um, lenses, which is like, I don't actually really know any of this shit, but I'm going to go find it. And then bring it to you because if I'm curious about it, maybe you're curious about it too. Tim Ferriss started his podcast that way, just like interviewing people, Joe Rogan, right? Where it's just like, I don't know anything about this. I'm just going to interview the people who do. And so there's so many different ways to start showing up uh, and sharing experiences in a way that isn't you pretending to be anything you're not. I love that so much. And like, if you would have taken those two women and been like, okay, you guys have to do a podcast in the way that this 30 year veteran of the, of the cop force beat thing did it, it like just wouldn't work. And so, yeah, there's a million products or people out there doing their own thing, but they're not doing it like you are doing it. Right. And like, that's the actual magical thing. They haven't lived your life. They don't say it the way you would say it. I think that's a really great way to finish. Like that was fire. I like that little true crime tangent. And I'd actually didn't know that about you at all. And I'm like, 
now learn something about you? Like, oh, you're it's like, like a-, a dirty secret that I keep. Right, like Jack is always like my husband's always like. Clem, why do you listen to that? And I'm like, I find it very, very relaxing. <laughs> I'm like one of those. I I guarantee that there are people in your community, Jer. They'll reach out to you after this. They'll be like, no, it's a thing. True crime. They'll Way more like, people are into it than you think. They'll know exactly what that uh, podcast that you alluded to was too, I'm sure. Totally. Like, oh my God, <laughs> Alex listens to fucking Bo and Jane talk blood or whatever it's whatever it is. <laughs> like. <laughs> okay, well, that's a good podcast name talk blood okay great yeah i'm gonna start it uh, no but that but you're me, right great way to end it but do you listen to murder mysteries like to calm me down and you find it soothing like as an example okay yeah so okay <laughs> i have never told I'm this to anyone before but i love this you ask such good questions okay so here's my take on it i've okay. tried listening to like sleep stories and stuff and, in, you know, like Calm app has like the sleep stories, which are supposed to make you like yeah, yeah. calm and relaxed. And in my mind, there is nothing more anxiety inducing than having <laughs> really anyone. But like, let's say a man like whisper, like, now just relax. And you're just like, fuck you, man. Like, you don't know what I'm going through, <laughs> whatever. Right. So I find sleep stories the most anxiety inducing thing. And I think it's because I don't relax. And then I get in my head about like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not relaxing to this guy telling me that I should relax? So then I put on something that literally it like shocks my not I don't say shocks my brain, but it's so outside the realm of what I stress about, which is like, let's just say business mm. or whatever. It it's narrative transport. Hey, look at that. We're bringing it back full circle. It's putting me into this state of just like being so immersed in a story that's so like outlandish and, and wild that I literally within five minutes, I'm asleep. Yeah. I mean, it sounds it's like dream inducing, right? You you get transported away from your current space, your current reality, anxieties, worry, and you're in a different realm. And it's like, yeah. Where you go. The 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 pro tip though is because then everyone always thinks like, so wait, do you fall asleep listening to murder podcasts? And then it's just like subconsciously programming your brain while you sleep. <laughs> I you have to put on the sleep timer that's like it, it automatically turns off at like 15 minutes. Yeah. So just so in case anyone's worried too. that yeah, <laughs> exactly. It, so do you find you know. does it give you nightmares? No. No. You're like used to it now, huh? But I also yeah, and I also too like there's different now we're going deep into the true crime, you know, genre. Yeah. But like I, mean, I don't listen to the super gruesome type of like true crime stuff. Like I'm not okay. interested in the actual like I'm not interested the in the actual like uh, yeah, no, what to me it's it's more of like wow, what was that that guy's childhood like that like made him do that? And so it's uh, like 95% of true the true crime podcast I listen to or very little about like the the act of the murder or whatever it is that happened. It's a lot of like the buildup and the and the really it's the storytelling and the psychology mm. and the and the stuff that I find interesting about it. It's like so the that's whole, my personal flavor of it. Like putting the whole puzzle together, so to speak. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, Alex Gatoni, <laughs> marketing genius. I know you have an Instagram. You have your copy posse YouTube. I'll put links to all this stuff in the show notes. But uh, is there any any final words or anything we missed that you're like, Jared, come on, bro. 
I have to say. I can't believe you didn't ask me about this. No, honestly, this was great. This is one of my favorite podcasts because you're so great at at, at, uh, asking questions. And I am fairly certain that I have almost never answered any of the questions you asked me in that way before. Yeah. So you're you you are a great interviewer and i and it's fun i enjoyed chatting with you thanks yeah we've already done like 64 minutes and we could totally keep going we'd go on so many tangents though so you know i think uh, true crime and and a great way to end it <laughs> yeah i'll also share we we had dinner a couple weeks ago and i was sitting across mm-hmm. from you and i realized i had this like epiphany moment of like oh look, i haven't had alex on the podcast because when I started the podcast, I basically just went through all my friends and was like, I need guests, made some calls, sent some texts. And then once I went through all my friends, I was like, oh, I expanded it out of like my acquaintances or like my friends of friends. And then, you know, it's right. been years now, but I was sitting across from you. I was like, wait, like what? Somehow you eluded my, my trap at the beginning of this. Uh, so I'm glad, you know, after a hundred and See, meanwhile, 90. I'm over here with a complex, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe yeah. you guys never asked me to be Jeez. on this podcast. No. <laughs> how many YouTube no, subscribers never. do I need? Like, how many awards do I have to win? To I've just guys. been doing it all for this for this moment. <laughs> you're, re- you're retiring now. It's over. Like, sorry, it's Coffee gonna be Posse. in my like stage bio now. They're gonna yeah. say, you know, founder of the Coffee Posse and guest on, on Jerry no, Goldberg's I, Long Distance Love Boss podcast. I hope it's gonna be uh God, what did you call it? A crunchy pivot. Uh, what was the word? A cringy pivot. A, a cringy pivot. And you're like, stay tuned for my next career shift. And then you launch your like kitty litter queen brand. Like <laughs> I had a revelation. Anyway, we're off track. We're derailed. Uh, big hugs to you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate all the Super work you fun. do. And um, if you're listening, Alex is one of the good ones. Go go watch your stuff. Your videos are all, like, we're, we're going to end this at some point, I promise. But like your videos are are like they're really well done, Alex. Like I watched a couple in prep for Thank this, you. and I was like, "You you've got it. You've got it very aligned with your personality and like the quirkiness and the like vibrancy. It's good. It's really good." Thank you. That took time to. I mean, we will. Pro- I promise we'll end it. We only got like three false goodbyes. <laughs> like the, it's like those emails that we write yeah. those those emails marketers write with like eighteen p.m. Yeah. lines. PPPS. Um, yeah. So finally, PPPPPS is that it took me a while to get there. Like I remember this idea of, of like when I first started doing YouTube videos, I would stress out about it so much because it really felt like this production of like me having to get it right. And then now it's like, oh, I can just turn on the camera and just be exactly like who I am. But like, again, it took time. It take it takes time to feel fully confident and comfortable in that. And so, you know, I, I, I that's the best compliment that anyone can give me now is like, oh, when I see you online, it's like you're exactly as you are in person. It's like, okay, great. Thank you. Like, but you know, it takes time to feel that comfortable. I totally agree with you. Like, that's one of my favorite things to hear at events or retreats is like, oh, you're just chair. Like, you're the same guy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm super fucking lazy. Like, I don't have time or energy to pretend to be some character on the internet. Like, I'm a lazy yeah. dude. It's just, yeah, this is what you get. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Exactly. How much work? Yeah. And I can, and I could say that too. You are absolutely the same across yeah. all different platforms and in the human uh yeah, real real life <laughs> yeah they call that, r- that real life is is the term uh all right real life <laughs> <There we go. laughs>
<laughs> I'm gonna, I, I stay online too much. We're going to end yeah, it. Okay, we're going to end it. Everybody. Like I'm for real going to click it. Okay. That's so good. Crime podcast. What in the world? Anyway, as mentioned, Alex Catoni is a genius. And I've included links in the show notes to all of her stuff so that you could get into her space, watch her content, check out her YouTube. I've got links to the website, the Instagram, the LinkedIn, the Facebook, the YouTube. She's got the whole collection going. And uh, that's really all I got. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you letting my noise go into your ear bones. And thanks for supporting the podcast. If you know somebody that needs to hear this, please do share it. Please do post about it on social media. Put it on the side of a blimp and drive it around the city that you live in. Anything and everything is helpful and appreciated. You're the best. I adore you. And I will talk to you soon.